Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Ring. I, of course, am your host, the one, the only, Dr. B.O.B. Yes, yes, that is me. And with me again this week is the consigliere of the uh, Dr. Bob practice, the man who you want to talk to concerning anything in your workplace environment, whether it's people getting drop, dropped on their heads, people dropping themselves on their heads, or if you just happen to be a tired old man who works with children, he is the one and only Dr. Rob. How are you today, Dr. Rob? I'm doing well. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, busy. I, I, I was following you on, on the uh, two examples, but wh which, which is the old man? Um, like, what does that relate to? I feel oh, like that, that was that was uh, CM Punk when he said, "I'm just a tired, broken old man." Oh, who yeah. Works I, I was, gotcha. I know that's not quite as current, but I couldn't think of a third one to throw in there besides no, people. Now it makes worse. Now it makes sense. I was with you. I'm with you now. <laughs> people getting dropped in their head and dropping themselves on their head. I mean, but in in in, in you know. And to be fair, that's like every week in AEW. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. kind of, it's always going to sound pertinent anyway. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Uh, so uh, this week we have uh, Silver Slam 2000. Anything else happened to you this week that was particularly interesting or uh, that you would like to share with our growing audience? No, not really. Other than the fact that I put out an innocent tweet about Hook and Dan Housen, and apparently that blew up. Oh dear, I didn't see not, that. A, not a lot, but it was a, enough for me to actually say it blew up. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I saw the tweet. I was. Uh, I'm still. I. I mean, I'm with you. I don't get like one week. They're like supposed to be the biggest things ever, and then we haven't seen them since. since. What yeah. all out right before all yeah. out. I, so. My feelings was, you know, they're a hot act. Mm -hmm. Put a, put the belt on them for a little bit, you know. I mean, they did it with Booker T and Goldust, so why not um, Hookhausen or whatever they're or whatever they're called? Hookhausen. Yeah, Dan Dan, Dan Hook Dan Hooken Dan Hooken. <laughs> but uh, whatever they're called, it's like they should give them, they should give them a little run. I mean, I would have done it. It's AEW. You might as well. You already put the belt on uh, on Orange Cassidy, so you basically said that all of your titles are meaningless and. A joke anyway so why not you know go all if you're gonna go if you're gonna go comedy wrestling go all out with it exactly uh, i mean uh, you got the young out. bucks as champions for a while i mean can't get more <laughs> comedic than those guys well i mean they think they're comedic they think they're funny they they are funny but not in the uh more in the laughing at you not laughing with you type of way yeah unfortunately they don't realize that <laughs> but um all right, well, let's go ahead. We'll get into uh, SummerSlam 2000 here. Uh, whoo, coming for you from Raleigh, North Carolina. JR and King on commentary, of course. Uh, we open with a uh, little film by Freddie Fellini. Of course, that's Freddie Blassie sitting in front of a television with a bunch of very, very, very late 90s industrial imagery going on. Um, I thought that was Freddie Blassie. I couldn't... I wasn't 100% sure. Yeah. And now here's the thing. Anybody who knows, and this is for like the two people that might listen that know anything about cinema, that film did not look like Fellini at all. In fact, it really looked more like uh, uh, Guy Madden. I think it's Guy. It's pronounced, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's spelled Guy, but he's Canadian. So I imagine it's probably Guy Madden. 
who's a yeah. uh, Canadian surrealist silent filmmaker. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, that looks more like him than Fellini, but nobody knows who he is, or definitely nobody knew he, who he was in 2000. Um, he's the guy who did the Sissy Boy slap fight. Oh, wonderful. If you've ever seen seen that that wonderful piece of cinema that our good friend Kenny Olivier was uh was a major centerpiece in. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, we start off first match right to censor, uh, Stephen Richards, uh Bull Buchanan and the Good Father versus Rikishi and Too Cool. Um I don't know, not a lot to say. Hot start. Uh uh Scotty Too Hotty got to shine for a little bit. Um, Rikishi gets a good hot tag. I like the spot where they did the three, where they stacked the three guys up in the corner and did the three consecutive corner splashes. Um, Steve, uh, Steve Richards hits a big move and ends up, uh, stealing a win from Rikishi and too cool. Uh, that's really about it. I gave it a C. I thought it was a pretty decent opener. Um, it got the crowd, definitely got that crowd pumped up. Uh, what did you think? I thought it was, you know, I give it a C as well, but I'm I'm realizing watching these pay-per-views again, mm-hmm. there's a big difference between a WCW show and a WWE show, and that's work rate versus character. Yeah. And you know, like WCW would start a, start a show off with you know either either the TV title or a you know a cruiser rate match just to get the crowd going. That was more of a work rate work rate show. Yeah. This was all character based. Mm-hmm. I mean, you literally had Stevie Richards or Steven Richards, I guess, at this point, come out and cut a, you know, a good promo. He's great. He did great character work too, as um as the leader of the art, um, the RTC, mm-hmm. or and you know he got the crowd going. Then you had two cool come out with Rikishi, and you know they brought their you know um, escorts, I guess, They're ladies of the night, ladies of the night. Uh, which was which one happened to be Victoria, which was I think her debut in the WWE. I did not know that, but yeah, that is that's yeah. Right. I, I wasn't really sure what she was doing at one point when she went to slap the Good Father. I mean, yeah, the way that she was like posing for it, it was as if um, I think it was Grandmaster Sexy supposed to be like it was the one on the floor with him. I think he was supposed to be holding back the Good Father, Good Father, yeah. but he was kind of like staring at him. Yeah. So yeah. when she got dropped, and I don't know who the other lady was, but. Um, that, that was like nice little character work, I guess, for you know to show that he's like completely, um, I guess, repulsed by that by his past. Yeah. So I thought that was nice character work, and you know the rest of the match was pretty good. I liked the quick shot by Richards with the super kick. Mm-hmm. That was almost out of nowhere too. I didn't really, you know, I oh yeah, didn't really see that coming. That's why I put Not big much. move because I literally like didn't see it. I was writing notes, and next thing I know, the right to censor one. I was like, what? What happened? Yeah, I mean they were really good at getting heat, and I think this is an often like, underappreciated faction. Yeah, because they, you know, I mean from the from their, I don't even want to call it theme music, but you know, whatever from their entrance all the way down to the, you know, the promo work to just how they were taking beloved characters like Godfather and later Val Venus and turning them into, you know. Um, you know, doing one eighties with their character, mm-hmm. and you know, it was just it's a, it's a it was a good faction. I enjoyed it, and I, I think the match was great for an opener. But again, this is a, this opener wasn't about how good they could wrestle and how good they could get the crowd going. In that regard, it was simply here's a popular team here's with you know with you know with a whole dance routine thrown in there. Yeah, here's a you know really annoying character team. Yeah, 
that you know they have good workers but they're not you know they're in there just for their spots they're in there for the you know to try to get the worm in to try to get the um stink face in oh yeah i, I don't like that stuff. yeah so, I, but still... I, I, I didn't i didn't see anything wrong with it i thought it was a good way to start i know there were people back then who probably hated this and probably thought it was a ridiculous match but you know c c plus yeah i think um yeah it, well and that's the one thing about a match like this where even though it is character based everybody in the match is competent enough to do all the stuff that they need to do to get the characters over in the context of the match and not have the match look super phony or um contrived no that'll be for later in the night oh god don't even yeah it, yeah it gets it gets a lot worse folks it gets a lot worse um so then we come out of that we get coachman with angle and then Stephanie in the back, uh, Stephanie, and then Angle goes to Stephanie's locker room later. Uh, of course, then to follow that up, they show a VTR on Angle and Stephanie, and that was the whole Angle kiss Stephanie after she got knocked out uh, program that he was running with Triple H. I think pretty much everybody that has ever watched wrestling in the past 20 years knows at least a little bit about that angle, that angle Angle had. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, you know, uh, I know it's early on in the show, but I like how they're going to be basing the entire show around the world, the world championship, and also the, you know, um, I don't want to call it a triangle yet, but you know, the relationships between Stephanie, Kurt, and Triple H. I just like how that was the, you know, like all the matches were in there. They had storylines to them. They had reason to be there, but the focal point of the show was on the world title, was on this dynamic. Which, you know, I mean, I, maybe I missed it at some points, but I feel like The Rock was almost an afterthought to this, and he was the world champion. Yeah, The Rock was hardly, was hardly even in this show. Like, Yeah, it was he, literally he all Angle and Triple H and Stephanie every time they yeah. cut to the back. Well, I think The Rock was, this was also during the period where he had just started going to Hollywood or something, wasn't it? So, um, <sighs> maybe not quite Hollywood Rock, but I'm sure he was getting looked at or yeah, there had to be something this, this had to be around the Scorpion King era because that came out in 2001, 99, somewhere around in there. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Fairly so, early. That was the first big role. But, um, so yeah, I, I get, and it's nice to have a, some sort of storyline that runs through. And, you know, I was going to complain about it as being soap opera, but then. You know, uh, Cordette always says the big three things in wrestling that you can always build a program around are championships, money, and women. Somebody screwed yeah. you out of your championship, screwed you out of your money, screwed you out of your woman. So that's... And we're doing it all tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um, we get an interview with Shane McMahon, who is the hardcore champion. That is thusly interrupted by Steve Blackman, who is, uh, I guess, Michael Myers in this situation, stalking Shane through the arena. Um, next match, Road Dog versus X-Pac. Um, Road Dog cuts his bit short at the very beginning, which is kind of, which is very unusual for Road Dog to actually appear serious in any stretch of any way. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I mean he's he's he is a comedic character. He is never a serious character. Yeah, but I mean he didn't do the whole his whole spiel. He basically did a little bit of it, and that was it. Well, I think at that time he wasn't with Billy Gunn at that point. Yeah, but we. So I think that, that was his whole um, promo. 
No, that's true. Um, so let's see. Uh, X Pac sucks. Chance. Um, it's uh, pretty even early in the match. Uh, X Pac miss a Bronco Buster, but he gets it later. Then uh, Road Dog completely no sells it. Starts doing his little punches punches bit. Eventually, mm-hmm. uh, X Pac uh, gives uh, Road Dog a low blow and an X Factor. X Pac wins. Tries to shake Road Dog's hand, and Road Dog attacks X Pac. Um, I gave this a B. I don't think this was a bad match. All in all, um, I enjoyed it. X Pac work is always good. Uh, Road Dog was passable for what he needed to be in this situation. Um, I don't think it was. You know, they're they went straight to fighting pretty much. It wasn't a super. Um, it, it, you know, I wasn't expecting a technical masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought it was all right. I enjoyed I it. I like how JR tried to sell it in the beginning as a technical masterpiece when X-Pac did the double leg takedown mm. and then spun around on him. He JR says something to the effect of, oh, it's a classic amateur move. And I'm thinking to myself, I've, you know, I wasn't big into high school wrestling. I wasn't big into amateur wrestling, but I'm familiar with it. And I don't remember anyone doing that kind of move onto somebody. <laughs> But, you know, I guess we watch a different, I guess, you know, different amateur stuff. Well, a lot of the, a lot of the amateur shooters, well, when you've, you've seen it back in the, uh, back in the eighties would do that. Uh, Yeah, but I wouldn't call it amateur. I would call it more technical wrestling and like showmanship. I know, I know. But, uh. I think amateur, I think of, you know, collegiate wrestling and Olympic wrestling. But, um, you know, I mean, the one thing I didn't like, I mean. I'm going to get on JR's case a lot during the show because I don't like, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm respectful of JR, but I do not think hold him in high reverence as so many people do. Mm-hmm. I think he's, you know, I, I tend to believe some of the backstage, you know, gossip about him, about how he's, you know, um, I don't want to say two faced, but you know, he's, he's more than just the messenger. Let's put it that way from what yeah. I've read. And, you know, I mean, the, the one good thing about him tonight was that, you know, they, he gave a little history as to, like, this is the second time they're fighting over something. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time they were fighting over the name, you know, the right to use the name DX. And now yeah. a year later, yeah. they're fighting for whatever reason. I can't remember what the reason was. This <laughs> to, time see the be- who, to see who the best wrestler in DX was, which True. it wasn't either yeah. of them ever. <laughs> so, no, no. I mean, I, I think Triple H beats them hands down I mean, but all i could think of is when i heard that you know reference to oh they're fighting over the name dx i'm thinking okay that's typical russo and that explains why you know years later we have booker t and stevie ray fighting over the t yeah like geez but oh, yeah. well, you know i, I mean, mean like and you, you said triple h obviously i would say even if you take triple h out of the occasion out of the equation billy gunn is still better than both x Pac oh, and yeah. road dog put together yeah <laughs> i mean road dog is and this and i've always used this analogy but i know it's gonna fall flat uh, or you know have holes in it because i'm not even a big fan of the guy of the person i'm gonna compare him to but i've always felt like road dog being the successful armstrong is like Stephen Baldwin being the successful Baldwin brother. Because it makes sense to me. I mean, Alex's not the greatest actor, but he's definitely more skilled than Stephen. And here you have Road Dog being far better than, you know, being far more successful than Brad Armstrong. Oh, yeah. And 
that never that never clicked in my head. Although that would be, I mean, would it would it be Stephen or would it be more like Billy Baldwin? You know what? It probably would be Billy because I don't even know. I forgot that he exists. Except, well, there you go. <laughs> but um, so I gave it. I gave it a B. I was like, I, I was entertained. I was sports entertained by it. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm a little bit more um, harsher on it. I give it like a C plus. Okay. Yeah, I thought fair. it was, you know, I thought it was. It could have been better for a follow up for the second match after all those promos. Yeah, and it just kind of it didn't fall flat. I just, you know, it just wasn't. I thought, you know, I, I like Sean. Wasn't doing it I thought he could do a lot more, and yeah. I think, you know, for him being an Armstrong, he should be able to carry a better match. So I was expecting more on that match. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't fault you. I can't disagree with you there. But uh, moving on, we get Eddie and China in the back ahead of their match, and of course, you know, Eddie's like, "Oh, I'm not going to be jealous if you win." Uh, really laying on that uh, uh, that uh, Chicano <laughs> accent, really heavy. Um, Trish and uh, then we get Trish and Val in the locker room. Trish and Val Venus and Val's all mad, pissed off at Trish, which you know, Trish at this point was only a valet. She was never even yeah. supposed to be a wrestler. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out if this was like a rib or something or like, and I, but I don't know against who, but Val makes it like, you know, Val makes it serious. He's wanting to, you know, he's, Trish is going on, you know, is she a model? Is she a centerpiece and blah, 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 or centerfold? And Val's like, we're not here for that. We're here for the IC title. This yeah. is what it's all about. Yeah. And I'm like, that's new. That's not something that would happen during that era. You yeah. know, these were props. People didn't, you know, like that's how Russo viewed, uh, viewed them. So I'm trying to figure out who produced this segment and was he doing it to slap Russo in the face with it? Or was it just like a, you know, like like a sly wink to the camera? Or like, I'm, I'm not sure what it was, but if it was something that I've, you know, never seen acknowledged. And you, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's like he's, you know, that was going on about the title and it's really just a, you know, really gimmick match. Yeah. You know, if he loses, yeah. he, you know, whoever pins him gets to be the new champion. That's not how the title has ever been defended before. So it just seemed like a, a weird, you know, way to, to take it seriously. But at the same time, knowing it's in a very, in my mind, ridiculous match. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. All I can think is is Val. You know, poor. I feel bad for Val Venus because he's a huge, he's immensely talented guy. Oh yeah, and uh, he just got stuck with a gimmick that you couldn't do anything with. Like, there's only you know, it's a dick joke, and after you know, like a couple of weeks, the dick joke just falls flat. So, um, you know, and. So all I could think is maybe he actually did want to take it seriously. Maybe they wanted him to look like he was serious so that, you know, it would, you know, he would be extra pissed off at Trish when he lost. I don't know. Yeah. But um, I mean, he kind of, I mean, he was kind of going that route at that point. He cut his hair. He ditched the, um, you know, the, the purple tights or the purple trunks. I don't. I don't think he came to this ring in a towel. I don't remember that. No, he I, didn't. I don't think he did. If he did, like yeah, there so was, was no, there was no like taking it off or anything. It was just, yeah, you know, all business. Mm-hmm. 
And it's a shame because, I mean, like, he he was immensely talented. Well, he and had, he could actually wrestle. He was a super serious wrestler because he came out of, if I remember correctly, he came out of Smoky Mountain. Um, he, yeah, I think you're right. So, um, because this is what Cornette said, a lot of the guys that came out of Smoky, Smoky Mountain, Al Snow, Val Venus, um, there's a couple other ones I can't remember off the top of my head that just got stuck with these just terrible fucking gimmicks. And, yeah. you know. He was like, these are guys that could actually go, could actually wrestle. But, you know, if, if you can't get if you get a character that you can't get over any more than one, one note, then you're not going to have a very long career unless you can unless you could somehow change characters, unless you can pull a Mick Foley and completely change your character, which I don't think they were going to let Val do that, you know? Yeah. Um. Anyway, getting to the match, yeah, it's China and Eddie versus Falvinus and Trish Stratus. Well, I think it was just Trish at this point. Um, for the IC title in an intergender match. And the first thing I wrote, this is a really stupid stipulation. Yes, I agree. It's just... I it too. Oh, God. Um, however, stupid stipulation aside, Val and Eddie looked really good early. Um, yeah. I loved seeing Eddie and China do the flapjack. That looked good after a little bit of a hesitation as to whether or not they were going to be able to do it. Uh, China looked way better here than she did in the last match we saw her. Like, I mean, like leaps and bounds. Like she almost looked like a different wrestler. Um, yeah, I agree. Val got up. Uh, there was a uh, a low blow to uh, Val Venus, which he kind of no-sold, and uh, JR covered up for is what What is he wearing, a cup? Um, which was a good catch. Um, yeah. I, it's just great to see Eddie work. Really just, oh, yeah. I mean, the fact that Eddie was all over this match just made it immensely enjoyable. Uh, Trish yeah. finally tags in, China comes in, Val interferes, Eddie pulls Val out, uh, China press slams Trish and becomes the new champion. Uh, I, like I said, stupid stipulation aside, I wouldn't be surprised if Cornette was the one who put this together because he was still there. He didn't leave till 2001, I think. Mm -hmm. This was an A. I gave this, this was such an enjoyable match watching Eddie and China and Val work together and make make a match with a, one of the dumbest stipulations I've ever heard actually make sense in the context that it's supposed to. Yeah. No, and I, I, I honestly, I mean, I, I downgraded it because of the stipulation, so I gave it a B plus. Mm -hmm. But I honestly thought it was the match of the night. I enjoyed it tremendously. I did. I liked it. Out of all the, I mean, the show what did not have that many great matches, um, yeah. that many good matches, but this one, and it might just be my fondness for Eddie, but I thought it was definitely the match of the night. They took. What would it could have been a horrible situation because you have Trish who's not trained, China who's barely trained, and they not only made the most of it, they you know they played to everybody's strengths a lot. Yep. So whoever did produce this, and I'm trying to find it right now, um, did a tremendous job. Yeah, I don't know if, if Cornette produced it because I don't think he was producing; he was just involved in creative. But whoever put this match together, definitely. Uh, well, I'm I'm sure Eddie's probably the main person that put the match together. I'm sure Eddie got had his Eddie definitely had his had his hand in it. You know, to what extent I don't know. And you know, they always have somebody like doing the production in any way, mm -hmm. like overseeing oh, yeah. everything. 
whoever that was though i don't know if they listened to eddie or if they you know they just had a great chemistry but it was it was good yeah. for what it was it was good it didn't go on long it didn't you know overplay the um uh, the gimmick it was just you know everything was running how it should and i thought it was great um yeah another thing about this and this is one of the things people always talk about eddie in the context of modern wrestling <clears throat> which i get eddie was a you know he was a high flyer he did a lot of shit off the top rope and, and yeah. using the ropes and stuff like that but there was a moment in this match where eddie does something that everybody does now but he did it and made it look legit when he grabbed venus's hand because they were right by the corner yeah. And he grabbed his hand and he ran up the ropes like super quick. And then next thing you know, he was off the ropes and doing that arm drag. And I was like, yeah. that's how it's supposed to look like that's it shouldn't take you 30 seconds to get up to the top rope to do that, because then it looks phony. If you can get the guy's hand in the corner right there and get up and do it, then it looks good. And yeah. uh, that that's one of the things I wanted to point out, because Eddie was great at doing that It taking something that. If anybody else did it, it would look phony, but somehow yeah. working it into where it looked natural and completely believable. Right. And there was no, there was, I know, I remember the spot you're talking about. There's no hesitation for it. He just went and did it. Mm -hmm. There's no, you know, I mean, that, that, that's how it shouldn't be done. I mean, you have wrestlers who do that. I'm thinking Sasha Banks is one who does that move quite often. And as fast as she is in the ring, I feel like she's extra cautious with this move and it never looks as crisp as it could. Yeah. And I don't know if because, well, you're taking a big risk by, you know, running up the ropes and, you know, twist contorting your body in a way that's supposed to allow you to, you know, arm drag them. But yeah, it's, it, I mean, I don't know if Eddie originated this move, but I know it's, he's one of the first people I've seen do it. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, it always, he's never made it look bad. It's oh, yeah. all, and it never looks out of place in a match. But I just wanted a little bit more praise for, for the one and only Eddie Guerrero. Uh, can't get enough, Eddie. I'm so happy he's in now. Like, I just I look forward. I that's the one thing oh, yeah. in pay-per-views I know I can look forward to is seeing Eddie Guerrero Good. matches. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I, I would be very surprised unless it's a horribly gimmicked match, finding anything less than a B, like a B from him. Yeah. So, and it's been it's been a while because ever since ever since Brett left to now Eddie's here, it's been like, you don't know if you're actually going to get a real wrestling match, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so then we get to, we go to radio WWF and WWF, New York, VTR, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we get Stephanie backstage with the makeup person talking about how Kurt Angle's a good kisser who gives a shit. Uh, sorry. That was, that's one of the ones that's just stupid. Like, what, why do we need to see that? That doesn't further, really further the storyline that much. Um, right. Uh, we get a VTR for the King and Taz match. This is another thing that they started doing in this pay-per-view that they haven't been doing the last couple of pay-per-views is doing a VTR before the match to kind of explain yeah. why the match is happening. Yeah. You know? Uh, of course, they do that every every time now, every match. But you know, the notice the last couple pay per views we've watched, it's been like, well, why are they having this match? What exactly? Jr. and King are trying to tell us like why this match is going on, and so anyway, to do the VTR, then we get uh, Taz versus Jerry the King Lawler. 
Uh, King starts it hot on the outside, uh, shines early. Look, still looks great here. Uh, Taz takes over off of the King goes for that that fist off the second rope a second time, misses it. Taz take over. Uh, King's punches look absolutely amazing. Uh, the strap comes down. He hits the pile driver. Taz no sells it. The ref goes down. Uh, Taz is jawing at Jr. while he's got um, Jerry and a um, what? What was that? The uh, it's a, not a sleeper lock. It's some sort of uh, chokehold. But anyway, uh, Jr. hits him over the head with the the gimmick candy dish. Uh, King ends up getting the win. Uh, Taz is complaining about having glass in his eye. I enjoyed this immensely. Mainly because I'm a huge mark for Jerry the King Lawler. <laughs> okay, that I can give you. You know, that I'll give um, you. I gave this an A because it's just so nice to see King in there working, and he was still young enough that he could work. You know. Um, yeah. And it was, it was. He's just, he's so good. His punches just look so, just amazing. It looks like he's just beating the shit out of Taz, and. uh you know, Taz is such a good heel. Like, he gets so much heat. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, during the VTR, I was like, God, Taz is an asshole. And then I was like, man, yeah, no, Taz... he's a great heel. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 okay. I am, I'm in my mind now, I'm looking at this from two different perspectives because you're right. I shouldn't, I'm, I'm... what I originally wanted to say is it's going to have so much bias on it that it's not going to be a fair rating. If we're looking at just from the wrestling standpoint, forgetting about who should go over at this point, mm -hmm. who needs more of a win. Um, yes, I I think the match was very enjoyable. I love I you know I loved the. I didn't like the finish. I liked the simplicity of it though. I liked how everything looked real, how everything looked aggressive, how you know, they were able able to put on a good story in the ring. So if we're going strictly from that, I give it like a B, B minus B. But this was Taz's first feud in the WWE. He got you know, he, he went over yeah. Angle, yeah. whatever pay-per-view that was, and then he kind of floundered for a while before they went and turned him, I guess, heel. And here's my problem. This completely killed off his character. It I remember very vividly after this pay-per-view, he yeah. went nowhere. I think he may have teamed with Raven for a while, Ooh. but that was it. His, his entire momentum was destroyed in this match. And I don't know why, but all I can tell you is that, you know, it just, something about it, something about this match just killed off anything he had. And I don't know if it's because, you know, he lost to two people. He lost to a person who was significantly older than him, even though it was someone with the, um, you know, the prestige as the king. Mm -hmm. Or it was just because it was a dumb storyline and he he came off looking dumb in this. Yeah. I just all I know is it, it you know, like I was I wasn't I was never a big Taz fan, yeah. but I was excited when he came in. I saw what he did to Angle, I could see what he did in the ring. You know, I watched some old ECW and I was like, wow, this guy is a legitimate threat. Yeah. And yeah. nope. And you know I, I it it just was it was a letdown. And I'm kind of wondering, like, you know, I'm, like this is what I said, I'm just kind of going to be kind of hard on JR. I don't know. Like, I, I can't understand why JR went with I, – I don't know if it was his call on this, but what, I, don't, I can't imagine anybody being okay with this kind of 
match for a newcomer. If Taz had been there a while, like over a year, like yeah. if it was like with Jericho's situation with China, that losing to China isn't going to hurt you because you've been there for a while. You've established your character. In the yeah. WWE, yeah. you're brand new. Whether you whether people know you or not, yeah. Vince treats yeah. you as a new toy, someone that they've never seen. And, you know, like I can't imagine... I can't imagine any of the, the participants in this match being okay with it. And I feel like, you know, JR, you know, like if he, JR seemed to be the most okay with it because the way he was commentating, he was like really, I mean, maybe he was just re a really good actor and a really good commentator to show, like, you know, to, to play that role. But, you know, he was having, I, I don't know, he just seemed genuinely upset at Taz and was like thrilled to be getting this, you know, to putting one over on him. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, again, Jr. could just be that. He could be just that good of an announcer to sell it. But the entire, the, 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 you know, the outcome of this match, I think, really killed off, killed everything for him, for Taz. And you know, like if I'm grading it from that perspective, it's a, it's a D. Taz should have won this. I mean, yeah, he got up from the pile driver, but you know what? I don't remember that, and I watched this pay per view when, when it first came out. Yeah. So, like, when people say, "Oh, you know, like spots are good," and you know, it gives you a, uh, you know, it, it helps, you know, yeah. like, spots in, it helps them, you know, keep their character safe. No, it doesn't because I don't remember that. I got what you. I, I... Jr. cracking with the candy dish and King getting the win. That's. It. I think. I think though, no, I think Taz had a lot of things working against him. Um, one, I think. Taz might have gone off script on JR a couple of times and JR didn't particularly care for it. That's why that's JR was so easy to, ready to get one over on him, which I can kind of I can kind of see JR's side of that. I also think that Taz came in with his legs cut off because Vince Russo wasn't going to like him because he is a real tough guy and a real shoot fighter and he really is from, you know, the streets of yeah. New York and Vince Russo doesn't like people like that because that was all the whole brawl for all was just because Vince Russo wanted to see somebody punch fucking Bradshaw out. So, yeah. I mean, the, you know, Vince, I, I don't think Taz had a leg to stand on in WWE as long as Vince Russo was there. And by the time Russo was gone, they'd already fucked him over enough that Taz probably just didn't give a shit. You know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, even look at, I, I don't know who's in charge of his attire decisions, but even his attire made him look, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm, I don't see you as a threat anymore. And it's, yeah. especially when he, when he went to the, um, what I call the mechanic look, Yeah, you know, it's, it's like, what are you doing? It, that this is, I saw you in ECW, granted it was after you debuted in WWE, but you were like scary good yeah. you made guys look you know twice your size look just you know like wimps mm -hmm. like they didn't belong in the ring with you and yet here you are you know i mean i granted again you're standing tall against the king for a good you know maybe maybe over half the match but you still lost and yeah. you know and the camera and the camera work in the end didn't do you no favors i, I get it because of the feud but he was making fun of the eye so it's kind of like oh he's his you know there's glass in his eye but he looks like a, you know, he looks whiny at that point. He yeah. looks, it's, it's, there's no more, the allure is gone. The, the mystique is over. I can't, I can't disagree with you at all. If I were, I, I, for myself, I can't look at it that perspective because I have to look at this, you know, basically oh, yeah. each match no. almost exists. It doesn't completely exist in a vacuum, but 
I wasn't watching it at this point, so I can't. Right. You know, and I mean, I mean, if you're talking about it just from a pure wrestling match, I think it was great. I think it would be well received today when you know, um, that more you know, like when veterans come back and have that match. Like I remember when um, was it? What, JR had a world title match. Not JR. Uh, the King had a world title match at one point, right? Mm-hmm. Against the Miz, I think. Yeah. And the crowd was going nuts for him, and they wanted him to beat the Miz. So I think, you know, in today's era, this would have been a well received, you know, like match. And I probably wouldn't complain. But I think there were just so many factors working against having this match well, early also, in his WWE it, career that it, it tarnishes it. But I think the match itself, you know, B minus B. Well, also in this match, let's say if this is, this is, like Sid Barrett coming out or not Sid Barrett. Um, oh God. What's his name? Uh, I always want to call him Sid Barrett, but that's the guy from Pink Wade Floyd. Barrett? Wade Barrett. Let's say Wade Barrett comes out of retirement. You know what I mean? He's a commentator now and he comes out of yeah. retirement. That's either going to be one of the first two matches or one of the last matches on the pay-per-view. It's not going to be buried in the middle of the damn pay-per-view because it's going to be right. a big deal. You know, that's another thing. This is Jerry the King Lawler having a match at SummerSlam. And it's like buried in the middle of the pay-per-view. You know, there's no like significance. It's not built up hardly at all, except for a VTR that comes before it. And they never mention it again afterwards. Like it would be something that you would be anticipating all night. Oh my God, Jerry's going to get back in the ring, you know, because the King didn't get in. He didn't have a lot of matches at that point. So I think that they did. I think this match did a huge disservice to, you know, the match itself, but I see exactly what you're saying about it doing a disservice to Taz. And, um, I think, uh, you know, like I said, I gave it an A, but I could see you giving it a D and and not batting an eye about it or even having, yeah. you know. Anyway, moving on. Shane McMahon backstage again. Blackman's still coming after him. Now we get the hardcore title match. Shane McMahon versus Steve Blackman, who was formerly known as the human weapon, but now is just known as the guy who plays with weapons. Um Let's see. Uh, I zoned out for a little bit at the beginning. They went into the crowd. <laughs> uh, they go back to the ring. Blackman pulls out more weapons. I was like, how do you beat anyone after this match? Like, Shane's getting the shit beat out of him with trash cans. Like, what the fuck? What what, what the hell does a uh, sharpshooter look like when you've got fucking trash cans everywhere? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Does this make Shane, like, the toughest guy in the uh, in the WWF if he can get the shit beat out of him here and still get up? Um, Tess and Albert come out, beat up Blackman. Um, then they're, uh, they go somewhere, but I don't know exactly where they're going. JR point outs that Blackman has no friends because obviously no one's come out to help him. Um, Shane, uh, ends up coming off the Titan Tron. He, Blackman chases him off. Shane comes off the Titan Tron. Uh, Blackman gives him an elbow in, um, the Bell Blackman wins the title. I gave this a D minus. The only reason I didn't give it an F is because they actually sold the drop off the Titan Tron. <laughs> My only comment on this, because you know I'm not a big fan of hardcore matches, and I don't think you are either. Yeah. Aside from AJ Styles, can you name off the top of your head anybody who came out of a Shane McMahon feud in better position than they were going in? No. 
Not, yeah. Not off the top of my head. I wanted to say Miz, of- but then I'm like, no, because Miz was a baby face and came out of it with nothing. Yeah. No one enters a feud with Shane McMahon, or you know, one person enters a feud with Shane McMahon and comes out in a better position on the card. Everyone else does nothing with a victory over him. And I mean, maybe Kurt Angle, but at the same time, I don't. I mean, like, did he win the king? Did he win? Did Kurt win the King of the Ring match with Shane? I can't remember. I, really I can't remember don't. either. But I feel like that that he may be the Kurt may be also be the exception. I don't know what he was doing at the time of that uh, you know, of that feud. If he well, was, yeah, because Kurt won the King of the Ring. Didn't that was he? the King of the. I don't. I'm I don't this know. Up, I guess. But you know. We'll find out in a few pay-per-views when they say King of the Ring winner, Kurt Angle. Yeah. But my, my point is, you know, for, for all these undercard wrestlers, they don't really go anywhere mm-hmm. with, with Shane. And it's, it's, it's and all it does is make, I don't know. It's like, it's like what you're, you're pointing out the, the, you know, that they're beating each other with weapons and, you know, lasting 10, 15 minutes, you know, when a regular match, you see them put on a sharpshooter or a, you know, a rock bottom and it's over. Yeah. It's yeah. really, it, it, it's insulting. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I just, I, I, that's why I don't like these weapon matches because, you know, as time goes on, they're getting more and more extreme with these matches and it's making regular matches just seem either unre- unrealistic or hardcore matches seem unrealistic. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a time when putting somebody through a table was a hospitalization angle. Now, yeah. putting somebody through a table is, is just a another spot in a them. match, as we're about to see. Yeah. Um, now we get a be- Stephanie backstage with uh, Kurt Angle in the dressing room. Foley comes in and interrupts, uh, says something snarky about uh, Shane landing on his kisser. Um, we get a VTR on uh, Jericho versus the murderer. And then the next match is Jericho versus the murderer who, um, if you don't know, that's what we call at BTR. That's here. What we call uh, Chris Benoit, the former, the wrestler who murdered his wife and child. And then himself, we will not be reviewing this match or any other match involving Chris Benoit from here going forward. Since he has now with the WWF, that is the back to the ring stance. I will not um, give this guy credit nor the time of day. And if anybody wants to bring up uh, CTE, there are hundreds, if not thousands of people in the world with CTA who have not murdered their family and killed themselves. So therefore, that is neither an excuse nor an out for him. He is a murderer. He murdered his wife and children. And I will not grace this show with his presence, period. Anything to say? Couldn't have said it better myself. Okay, moving on. Triple H arrives to the show. Um, I wrote way to show up to work Hunter. like <laughs> halfway through the halfway through the thing. He's supposed to just waddles in. Oh, hey guys. Um, we get a VTR for TLC one, which could also be called the chair to the head VTR because, oh my God, like <clears throat> there's at least like five unprotected chair shots to the head. It just in the video leading up to this match. Um, so then we get TLC one, the very first TLC match, Edging Christian versus who are the champions versus the Dudley Boys versus the Hardys for the tag team championships. Um is there anything you want to say before we get this started and I run through it? 
No, I mean, other than the fact that I guess I looked, I thought it was better when I was a kid. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm matured in my taste, but Okay, you know. so here we go. We get a jump start when the Hardys come out and attack the Duddy Boys. Uh, everybody goes and grabs weapons right out of the right out of the base. So we're not even going to pretend that this is a wrestling match. It turns into a spot fest really fast. I think Matt ended up getting a concussion when one of the lat one of the ladders jumped up and hit him straight in the forehead. Uh, first of many concussions for Matt Hardy. Uh, we do they get the table spot. Um, they do go through the tables, they stop, but then they stop to build something on the outside of the ring instead of grabbing a ladder and trying to win the match. <clears throat> you know, because that's what you do in a fight. Yeah. Uh, we Let's see, we get more unprotected chair shots to the head. Uh, by this point, Devon Dudley is barely able to stay on his feet without the help of the ropes. I'm pretty sure Devon got a really bad concussion during this match. Um, Bubba moves... So uh, Jeff, oh, D Jeff goes up the really tall ladder on the outside, but then Bubba Ray moves. So, so Jeff coming off the ladder meant nothing. Um, yep. Oh, and then Bubba goes through the tables that they set up on the outside of the ring. Um, Lita comes in to save the day. Uh, but uh, then Lita gets her head hit on a ladder on the ground when uh, Edge spears her because ladders are laying everywhere and no one's paying attention. Um, the ladder drops as Jeff and poor Devon are hanging on. So Devon, poor Devon falls like a sack of potatoes. Like you could tell he was out of it from very, very early in this match. Um, and edging Christian win. Um, it, that wasn't really a match. I'm not going to call it a match. I gave it an F because I hate this match and I hate everything that this match has led to in professional wrestling. <laughs> there's you know, honestly, so when, you, much. when you put it like that, I'm there's, giving it an F too. There's I'm so it much to be somewhat entertaining. So much you can look at it that happens in this match. It's like, oh god, like there that every, every, pretty much every spot in this match is now like a regular spot in any ladder match, table match, anything. They do this shit all the fucking time. I get that it was new. I get that it was different. It was still a car crash, and I'm sure at least three people walked out of it with concussions, if not broken uh, ribs. For what? Uh, really, for what? To 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 make the business look bad, to make shit look phony, and to uh, basically discredit everything that came after this because there's no way you can tell me that, you know, uh, let's see, what's the next match? Uh, the Undertaker and Kane, like beat each other worse than fucking Jeff Hardy falling off a ladder and walking out. Yeah. So fuck this match. Fuck the Hardys. Fuck the Dudleys. Fuck Edge and Christian. Uh, F. <laughs> I'm going to agree. I'm, I'm, there's not much more I can add to this other than the fact that there's some spots I still don't understand the logic of. Like when Matt and you know Matt hits the leg drop off the ladder and then Jeff jumps over the ladder, which is only slightly higher than the turnbuckle, and the crowd pops for it. I don't oh, understand why. Yeah, that's the stupid. the the leapfrog over the ladder—that's a dumb. Yeah, that's that's it's, stupid. It's a dumb move. He does it so often, and I'm like, he's literally just jumping off the turnbuckle. It's not—he's not gaining. He's not jumping higher than normal. That's his normal height. Yeah. And I think you know Montez Ford probably jumps higher than that now. Yeah. So I mean, it's not that it's not a spectacle. It's not a great move. It's you know just looks cool because there's a ladder involved, and that's pretty much what a TLC match is these days, or even back then. 
it looks cool because there's ladders and people getting hit like crazy and bouncing around because they're ragdolls. That's it. It's not, there's, you know, it's literally what spot can we do next and what spot can we do that's better than last time. Oh yeah. And even ladder matches. And I've said this, I said this in the last pay-per-view, the Bianca and, uh, uh, Bailey ladder match is like every ladder match should only involve one ladder, maybe yeah. a backup ladder under the ring because the purpose is not only to be fighting, to get up the ladder, but is to fight, to get the ladder into the ring, to fight for use of the ladder it, as a weapon. If everybody has a ladder, then the ladder means nothing. And the ladder exactly. should be the focal point of the match. Go back and watch Sean and Razor. They're fighting over the ladder. Go back and watch Triple H versus uh, versus The Rock for the Intercontinental Championship. One ladder. Like, when there's one ladder involved, it makes the stakes that much higher because you can't just set up another ladder. You have to actually go get that ladder from wherever it was and bring it into the ring and put it, set it up and make sure your opponent's knocked out. You can't just two guys go out, grab a ladder, set them up and start running up them. That doesn't, that takes away half of the, uh, the suspense of the match Yeah, is, is who's going to get the ladder first. What are they going to do with it? You know, like the, you know, that, that's me. It's called a, you know, called a ladder match, not a ladders match. Yes. I mean, stick with the rules of those, stick with the rules that you're naming it. But I mean, there's some, I feel like there's so many things to, that today's wrestlers could understand from, like, you know, watching a Sean and Razor, you know, ladder match, or a. Well, I mean, that, that to me is the that, that to me set the bar. So yeah. they should have studied that. I mean, you have you know, wrestlers today, go 15, 20 minutes with multiple ladders, multiple tables, multiple chairs, and then climb the ladder as if they're just you know, having a walk in the park and celebrating as if they just haven't been put through hell. <laughs> Bianca Belair. Yeah. And that, you know, I mean, like, she needs to watch that. She, I mean, pretty much anybody doing ladder matches today needs to watch these matches and figure out you're supposed to be selling. I think mm-hmm. I remember a story of Bob Backlund getting powerbombed by Diesel. And what did he do after he lost the title? He, did he get up and walk to the back? He crawled to the back. Yep. He sold the powerbomb. That's what needs to be done today. Sell it. Don't just get up and hold your head and walk to the back. Well, you know? I'll be in... <clears throat> When I was doing the uh, um, the Bobby Eaton tribute show a couple weeks ago, or a couple months ago, I guess at this point, uh, that's one of the things I was talking about. When he won the TV title from Arn Anderson, he sold his leg all the way to the back of to the back, like he walked, limped, and hobbled his way to the back. Uh, when he was celebrating, he was limping and holding onto the ropes for stability because his leg was still messed up. You know what I mean, like. Yeah. because that's what you do that's that's how you like the it's so easy people are going to believe that people are going to believe until you give them a reason not to believe because they yeah. want to like it's like it's like a magic show like you know you you don't you don't tell them how the trick's done before you do the trick you 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 do the trick and you leave them like how did he do that like you know, they know it's a trick. You know it's a trick. But if they don't know how you did it, they're still amazed. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, moving on. I mean, yeah. We can go we, we can go an entire show talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. 
And again, unprotected chair, chair shots to the head, which I know we didn't know what we knew about concussions now then, but yeah. still the Devon beer barely being able to stand was like very uncomfortable for me to watch. Um, so anyway, we go, we get triple H and Stephanie in the back. She tells him that Kurt took advantage of her, blah, blah, blah. Next match, the cat versus Terry Runnels in a thong stink face match. Do we have to talk about this? I'll, it'll be very quick. Thank Harry you. Harry <laughs> Saturn's covering Terry up. Al Snow's out there too for some reason. Uh, both of these women are in heels. V- Russo obviously booked this. It's stupid. Cat wins. F. It would. I give it a G or a fucking a Q if I could. Anything lower than F, but I'm gonna give it a. I'm giving it a fail and um, you know a just it's, it doesn't even get graded. It's just fail. You get expelled from the class. Yeah, I mean, this, this 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 should not have been on a pay-per-view. This should not have been in wrestling, period. But, you know, instead of having the European title defended, which I think Saturn, Saturn was a champion at the time, you have this match. Oh, well, you could have had Perry Saturn versus Test. That would have been you a good have, match. <laughs> you could have had Saturn versus Snow. That would have been a great match. Oh, that would have been a fantastic match. Yeah. For the Euro title? Come on. Yeah, I would much rather. I would, hell, that might have been, the, that's, that might have stolen the show. <laughs> that would have. I mean, that's, this is when Saturn was still working, you know, you know. I mean, it, it might have been after the Mike Bell incident, but it still was, you know, it was Saturn doing amazing things in the ring. I mean, I, I actually, I think it was before the Mike Bell incident. So, I mean, just let them loose. That could have been the opener. That could have been, you know, a good mid-card match. There was so much, there was potential, there's potential in that one. But My instead God, we yeah. get this, you know, Russo. Hell, get rid of uh, or, you know, get rid of uh, Road Dog uh, and X Pac. Put that on the television show. Make Perry Saturn versus uh, Al Snow your second match of the night, following that huge pop for Rikishi. You've got people eating out of your hands after that. Yeah, I mean that could have been that could have been. And give him give him like ten minutes. Give him eight minutes. You know, just let him go. That would have been a great match. Instead, we get. You know, they, you know, I don't, I don't know if that was ever the plan, but we get the cat versus Terry in a, you know, just a match designed to make Russo and um, Kevin Dunn, you know, happy. Yep. God, I hated that match. Yeah, that was, I didn't even watch it the first time around. Well, I didn't watch TLC one the first time around either way. Cause I was like, I hate this match. Like immediately I was just like, I hate TLC matches and this is. This is the one that started all of this bullshit. Yeah. You know. But I will say, you know, uh, it's funny. Seeing Taz in the ring against Lawler makes me want to go back and watch him in ECW. Uh, yeah. There's, there's been quite a few things I've actually wanted to go back. Because I've been wanting to watch him. I've been wanting to watch Terry Funk. I want to see Steve Austin in ECW because I love Steve Austin. I think the idea of Mick Foley as a uh, a wrestler's wrestler who doesn't do hardcore shit is just hilarious. Yeah, ECW had some good stuff at the time. Yeah. Why I never caught on, or why I never, um, you know, why the stories weren't integrated into WWE or WCW, like why they weren't just stolen because everything is stolen these days, I'll never understand. But they could, they they had some, they had they had some incredible um, storylines going on, and they were just never used. Or never presented in a larger, um, to a much larger mainstream audience. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it, part of it is, is Vince didn't like uh, Paul Heyman. 
doesn't matter. I mean, the garbage you're putting out there now, you can't tell me Vince for one second thought that this match, you know, that the Terry match was on. Oh, he loved this. Are you kidding me? I'm sure Vince McMahon thought this was like, you know, this was, you know, get get, get them girls in the ring and nothing on. Yeah, he loved it for a different reason. But I think, I think at his heart, and I don't know the guy, and I don't know anything about him really other than what you've seen presented on TV. But I think if you're going to be in this business, you have to love some parts of professional wrestling. You can't just love the sports entertainment parts. I don't I mean, know. It, so, I mean, I think he would have appreciated some of these storylines. For, for From what I've heard, and this is mostly is JR and, and Cornette talking, Vince loves the sizzle, doesn't care about the steak. He'll sell you the sizzle all day and never give you the steak. And because he's a promoter at heart, that's what he is. He's not a, he's not a booker. He's not a, um, a, a wrestling, you know, person. He's, he's a promoter. He wants to promote things and make things big and, and in your face. And at that, he was fantastic. Like he was great at it. But as far as putting together an actual wrestling card, I don't think Vince really understood much about wrestling. And he had such a hatred of, Things from the South because he was from the South and never wanted to admit it that uh, he uh, he disliked everything that was, you know, all that, that 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 stupid Southern Southern wrestling, you know, so but it is what it is. We'll move on. Yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. We get a uh, next we get a VTR on Kane and Taker and then we get Kane versus Undertaker again. The VTR like. It's uh, it's just nice to get the backstory before the match. Um, this one opens up Dead Man Walking, my probably my favorite alternate Undertaker um, uh, entrance <coughs> music. Love that song so much better than fucking Limp Biscuit. <laughs> we get uh, it gets a jump start. Uh, Taker starts going after the mask and rips part of the mask off. Uh, he goes after the mask. Kane takes over for a while. Then he goes after the mask again, rips part off. Kane takes over every time Taker goes after the mask in this match. Um, yeah. They t- Taker tosses the damn steps at, at Kane. I thought that was a fun, funny spot. I, mean, I, I don't know how safe it was, but I, I kind of laughed at that. I thought it was a good spot. And it was, I mean, Kane got his hand up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't like it just Kane was just turning around and it hit him square in the side of the, you know, mush or anything. He knew it was coming. Uh, let's see, there's a low blow. Uh, Kane to Taker. Kane gets juiced. Uh, Taker hit a really bad looking spear to Kane. I don't know what that was about, but I think they didn't have enough room is what it looked like to me. Is Kane was too close to the ropes, so Taker couldn't hit him with an all-out spear that would knock him down flat. You know what I mean? Well, because I think also Undertaker never. I mean, maybe he did when he was the badass, but I don't think he was throwing the spears too much. So when you're not, when you don't do the move, you don't really know how much room you actually need. Yeah, that's true. Um, but Taker finally gets the mask. Uh, Kane never leaves. Uh, there was no bell, so this wasn't really a match. I wrote this has got to be Russo or Pritchard as far as like the way this match went and the whole thing with the mask and everything because it wasn't really a wrestling match. Um, I still gave it a no, B minus though. 
I thought it was. I, I gave it a B minus as well. Yeah. I thought it was entertaining. I thought the mask aspect was interesting. I don't remember if they went anywhere with that. Um, you know, in the immediate future. I know years later they removed the mask, with, you know, on, on a raw. But I, I don't even remember how this was really like what what the point of him trying to get the mask. They didn't really touch based on that in the video package. Yeah. So I don't really yeah. know what they were going. I don't know what possessed Taker to do that. But you know. Interesting, it was a good, it was a good match. I mean, I mean you yeah. had two guys who do the work, so you know, no complaints there. You know what's funny? If they hadn't had Shane McMahon getting the shit beat out of him with trash cans and uh, guys jumping all, through multiple tables off of multiple ladders onto multiple ladders in the matches before this, that that spot where uh, Taker hit Kane in the face with the chairs would have really fucking been something, yeah, <laughs> or with the in the in the face with the stairs. Sorry, um, just, again, you know, it's it's like I was saying uh, it, during the Bobby Heenan thing. It, it's it's a musician's rule. Like you don't step don't step on your don't step on other musicians' toes. Like if you're the first or second act going on, don't play a song that you know the headliner or the act after you is going to play. Like that's just rude, <laughs> and it. Is basically everybody's going to be like, oh, they did it better, or we've already heard this song. Like it, it, you know, it's just you don't need it. You need to 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 figure your own thing out. Anyway, hello. I'm here. <laughs> okay. All right. Um. Now we come to the main event. Kurt versus Triple H versus The Rock for the WWE Championship. Rock is the champion. By the way, I've never liked this belt. I know other people love it, but I just the belt. Yeah, the this this version of the championship belt. I feel like it looks like a cheap knockoff of the the original double winged eagle. With I feel it looks like something a kid would draw when he's trying to remember what the ringed eagle looked like. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, you know how you draw things like when you're a kid, you draw like complete circles when you want to draw the sun. But yeah. here's a title belt, so I'm gonna draw the full circle and then put the plates on there, and that's how it looks. As opposed to, um, you know, showing the shading and the different, um, mm. you know, aspects of it. So yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. I've never, I mean, I'm partial to the big gold belt. So, you know, the the the, the original winged eagle belt that to me made more sense. Um, and but again, my credibility is completely destroyed when I tell you that I like the current Universal and WWE belt. So what do I know? Yeah, yeah. What do you know? Not much. No, I, I don't mind. I don't mind the the current WWE belts. To be honest with you, I mean, I don't think they're anything super special, but I don't hate on them like a lot of people do. I don't like the new Intercontinental Championship belt. But I oh, think no, that's that, ugly. I think that they, they just, you know, threw away the most iconic belt design that was still around ever with, with the uh, the IC title. Because, uh, I mean, that was, you know, white strap or black strap or whatever color strap you want to put on it. Like, that was... The plates that was, were incredible. Yeah, that was Bret Hart. That was Roddy Piper, freaking Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, uh, you know, The Miz. Perfect. <laughs> was that? Perfect. Yeah, perfect, Mr. Perfect. When you, when you Rick, think of the IC belt, I mean, you, those are the people you think of. You know, Rick Rude. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, I don't, 
Uh, yeah, I don't like the. I love the new. You know, I love the new United States Championship belt, though. <laughs> so, there you go. Because that one that reminds me of the United States Championship belt that like Magnum TA and Nikita Koloff had. Like, it's got that same type of like grandeur to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it looks like yeah. an expensive piece of 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 jewelry almost. Like, instead of you know. The other one looked like a toy. It really did. Which I like the design, but it still looked... I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah I, I never liked that belt. The current one is much better. Mm. So let's get into this match here. Um, we get Angle on the mic before the match, delivering a pretty good heel promo. Talking about how he wished he had uh, kissed Stephanie sooner because he's a given... He's an Olympic champion. He doesn't second guess himself, of course. Uh, and then he he says something about Triple H. Triple H comes out, and Hunter gets all over Angle. They fight for a while. Uh, still no Rock or uh, Bell, so the match hasn't started. The Spanish announce table. He did he actually deliver the pedigree through it, or did it just fall? It collapsed. It just collapsed. Yeah. And I think I saw on Kurt's Instagram a few months ago, like yeah. he talked about this uh-huh. and he was saying that he was completely like, I don't know if he used the word concussed, yeah. but he was saying he couldn't remember what he was doing the rest of the match. He actually had to have Stephanie whisper into his ear to do, to, 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 to you know, know, know what spots were coming up next. Like he was out. I believe it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I'm, Kurt's a great wrestler, but he's not a, he's not that great of an actor, and he he just looked out. Yeah, he really did, and you could like even there. Uh, well, we'll get to it when we get to it. But uh, yeah. anyway, uh, so the sledgehammer comes out, and out comes the Rock, and the Rock gets on fire early, and the EMTs are with Angle, <clears throat> but they go to the floor, and Hunter gets the advantage on the floor. Uh, Angle gets carted off. Uh, Hunter stops the EMTs and then beats up on Angle some more. I wrote, "This is a mess." At that point, it was a mess. Like I was I like, feel this... "Like that was supposed to happen." Like I, I truly believe that Angle was supposed to be carted off, and then you get a singles match between Rock and Triple H. What mm-hmm. I don't think everybody knew was that Angle really was concussed at that point. Mm-hmm. Like I think he was just so out of it that, like, that because if you notice. Triple H doesn't really lay into him. He pulls it away, does like one punch, and then stops. Yeah, it stops As and looks like the rock is coming oh, after him. Yeah, but I mean, I think at that point he like he really he realizes that he because he, he could have you know had him in a headlock and done like the multiple punches, mm. but he does one punch and then he's like, whoops. That was oh, yeah. the impression I got on it. Yeah. So then Stephanie comes running out and they take Angle to the back. Um, I wrote. At the exact moment I wrote, are they ever going to use the ring? They finally get back in the ring. <laughs> um, Stephanie's out there. Triple H says, grab the belt. Stephanie hits triple, uh, goes to hit the rock, but hits triple H, triple H with what I can only describe as a Hogan-esque belt shot. Yeah. Because <laughs> it looked like Hogan's chair shots. Like, <laughs> just, yeah, just like, tap. Tap. <laughs> um but uh i don't know what's worse the, the, the chair the hogan chair shot stephanie belt shot or the fact that they have to sell it as if they just got hit by like an atomic bomb oh yeah i know yeah. well the funniest thing is that when the early days of the wwf when hogan would hit people with a chair shot with one of those like cushioned 
aluminum chairs. Oh yeah. So it's like he barely yeah. hits them with the cushion of the chair, and you gotta be like, "Oh, I'm out." They're selling it as if they just got their head caved in. <laughs> but anyway, he never. He just never taught how to use a chair. I mean, I, I just don't get it. I think Hogan really didn't want to hurt somebody in the ring. I think that's really what it was. I think he was being extra, extra fucking careful. Yeah. All I know is every time I see Hogan with a chair, it's in my mind, it was always the opponent is basically running into it because that's the only way it makes sense that it hits it that hard. Yep. Um, so let's see, we get a low blow to the rock and pulls out the sledgehammer, uh, hits rock in the waist with it. I think he hits him in the gut. Yeah. Uh, there's a sign in the, uh, in the, uh, audience I noticed it earlier, but I didn't read exactly what it said. It says triple H's only fan. Only the first time I saw it, I thought it said, and of course, you know, this is, this is for today's audience because obviously nobody knew what this was then, but I was like, triple H's only fans. What? Oh, whoa. <laughs> that's a, that's a whole new, um, new avenue. <laughs> I just all I saw was only fan and my mind just immediately went only fans what yeah we 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 need, uh, we need to get you a palate cleanser <laughs> so uh let's see we get uh more heat on the rock uh they had some rock had some great hope spots in this match I gotta say like every time the rock started making a comeback and Triple H shut him down it was an audible like ah oh, from the audience yeah. you know like they were behind The Rock 100%. Um, Triple H goes to the top. Rock hits him with a superplex, and they get a huge pop. I mean, deafening when that superplex hits. Uh, yeah. Stephanie's in the back. She's like, come help Hunter, come help Hunter. And then they come back, and they're still on the ground. Rock's barely moving towards Triple H, and I'm like, that's how you sell a superplex. Right there. Both guys, it should take both guys almost completely out. Unless you're going to do a float over like Barry Windham did, and you better be good at the float over, and you better barely raise your hand after you win the match. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, it's funny because we were talking on, on Twitter, we were talking about the Superplex this week or any last week. I think it was. I think it was last week because there was a spot in the Axiom Frazier match where they hit a superplex and Frazier, yeah. who's a student of Seth Rollins. And no, I don't like it when Seth Rollins does this either, likes to do the um, that move where he does the superplex and then he uses the momentum to get back to his feet to do another move. Falcon arrow. Yeah. yeah. Well, he doesn't do a Falcon arrow. I think he does something else like a follow, not a fall away slam or like a, a suplex or something. Right. Um, he doesn't do it exactly like Seth does it, but he does a very similar uh, move. Yeah, it's the same spot. Yeah. Um, so he goes to do that, and then Axiom reverses it into like a uh, crucifix pin, and then they start doing more spots. So they just completely sold, no sold a superplex. And I was hot, 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 hot about that one. I'm still hot about that, actually, because it doesn't make any sense. Why, well, you know, like these are. You, 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 if I was, I feel like you have to pay. You know, you don't have to use it as a finisher, but if if wrestlers, you know, established 
former champions use this move. Don't make it a spot you can just get up out of. Yeah, it's it's got to be a move that both people have to sell or the move doesn't make any sense because you're both dropping. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And I don't even particularly like it when they come off the top rope with it. I think the second rope like this one makes more sense because you have more leverage. Uh, I think it looks better too, because when you get up on that top, when both guys are up on the top rope, it's very, you got a very small window of time to make it look like you're not obviously holding on to each other to keep from falling off. Yeah. You know, so I think it's, I always appreciated the, um, the, the, the window duplex, the superplex. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's how it always should be. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm, I'm even okay with Cesaro's middle row on the apron superplex. Well, that's yeah. okay. The if minute you got you go the to power the to do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. The minute you go to the third rope, it just it, 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 you're losing you're losing the, uh, the the realism. Yeah, well, you're you've got like I said, you've got to limit. If you've got a guy sitting on the top rope and you're powerful enough to get up on the top rope with him, and basically pull him up almost in one motion and superplex him, that's fine. But when you pull him up and then he hits you and then you hit him back and you're both holding on to each other and fake fighting. And it takes you, you know, <clears throat> any longer than five to ten seconds to get that superplex off, then you start lo- you lose your credibility up there. You know what I mean? You're 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 losing your believability that you guys are just fighting on the top rope. So anyway, they did a great superplex in there. <laughs> um, Stephanie starts dragging Kurt Angle to the ring. Uh, Angle pulls Triple H. Angle starts by pulling the Rock's foot. Triple H gives him a pedigree. Angle pulls Triple H out of the ring when he's got the pin. Angle gets on top on the Rock. Uh, Then we get uh, a Rock bottom to Triple H. And Triple H pulls Rock. Or no, no. We get a Rock bottom. Rock comes back. Get a Triple H or a Rock bottom to Kurt Angle. Triple H pulls the Rock out. Uh, Triple H accidentally hits Stephanie. Triple H gets knocked out by the sledgehammer. Rock ends up breaking up the pin from Kurt Angle, gives Triple H the people's elbow. Rock retains. That was that that was a fast and furious finish. Ha ha! With the Rock, but thank you. I'll be here all night. <laughs> thank you, as uh, my man Chad Gable would say. Um, I gave this a B. Um, I thought it lagged a little in the middle. I think that's probably because uh, I don't, don't think Angle could get out there as fast as he should was going to or if he was going to be part of the match further along than he was. But um, So I think Triple H had to spend more time getting heat on the Rock than he had originally anticipated. But uh, overall, I really enjoyed the second half of this match a lot, especially the rundown towards the end. Cause it was like, <laughs> you knew the pin was coming. You just didn't know who was going to get it or exactly how that was going to happen. And I think yeah. that that's, that's a good wrestling match. What do you think? I gave it a C plus. Mm-hmm. I don't like how you have a world title match without a proper introduction. Mm-hmm. I get the whole 
we'll call it blood feud at this point between Angle and Triple H, making yeah. that nearly impossible. And it's you know, and it made sense given that at the time you were still doing the champion introductions last. Yeah. But what was the Rock rating for? You know, like why yeah. wasn't he out there yet? I guess the match hadn't officially started. So he could take his, you know, time while they're beating the hell out of each other. No, oh, I'm, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm still upset that we didn't get any sort of rock promo at all before this match. Yeah, we didn't. Like, um, I think you know, I like how I don't, I don't like how it turned into a singles match, but I like how the storyline had everything gone according to plan. Seems to have called for a singles match. Mm-hmm. between Rock and Triple H. I think at that point, they had done their matches so many times that this was a fresh way of introducing it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, and I think they have tremendous chemistry. Oh yeah. But the, in, the, the opening moments, and I don't know if it was, you know, hindered because of Angle's injury, both the storyline version and the actual version. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the opening match, the, the opening parts was, didn't do it for me. It took me a while to get back into it. And like you said, the final moments of the, of the match really, you know, turned it up. Yeah. And that's why it went back up. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm probably C plus B minus, but I'm going with C plus just because the, the opening logic did not make sense to me. Yeah. Oh, I got you. I got you. (laughs) I just, yeah, I gave it a B. Like I said, the second half of the match, kind of overshadowed when I look, when I think back on this match, the second half of the match is going to be what I remember as opposed to the first half of the match. Really? Yeah. You know? So I'm like, well, okay, well the second half of the match was really good. Everything from, uh, basically, uh, the, the bad, (laughs) the bad belt shot (laughs) on was kind of pretty fantastic. Like every time the rock got, even a punch in on triple H, it was just like, yes, yes, get him. And then triple H would shut him back down. You know, I mean, rock would get like two or three moves in consecutive and triple H would shut him down. You're like, God damn it. So I don't know. They had me, they had me going on this one. They really, they got, they drew me in, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to argue with the C plus. I mean, it's in the same, it's in the same neighborhood. Yeah. It's at least playing the same sport. Uh, yeah. It's not on the same page. Not like Maddox and Woods. Um, <laughs> nice one. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I can only no, use that. I one appreciate that every one once in a while. Yeah, there you go. Um, so uh, overall, I gave this a D plus for <laughs> the poll pay per view. I just, you know, it came out. The it averaged out to be a C, but there were a couple of. Uh, of matches that were minuses and they had two F's and I was like, I can't give it a C a full C. So yeah, D plus is what it's going to get. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm right on you with the D plus D plus. I think the bad far outweighed the good though. And mm-hmm. to me, the only goods were the Guerrero match and the, the main and the main event. Yeah. Everything else in there. Well, you know, it's had its entertaining moments yeah, lack of structure and logic really, you know, made you sit there and be like, "What the heck am I watching?" You know, here these guys are surviving a train wreck. Mm-hmm. You know, they're literally throwing each other through more, you know, 
more pieces of plywood than you know a Home Depot would have, and they're getting up and just as if nothing just happened to them. They're not staying down. Yeah, and you know it it, it hurts. It take it, like I'm. We all know wrestling is scripted. There are kids who don't know. I mean, there there are people who don't know. There's they think this is real for the first time watching it or whatever. You know, however however many times I'm watching it, it took me about a year or two when I was like six or seven to realize that this was you know you can't just be getting up from a power bomb and be fine. You're it's, there's obviously something you know to this. I don't know what the I don't know what it was yet, but I knew it wasn't you know I knew there was there's there seemed to be some cooperation involved. But you can't be doing things that take you out completely, and that's what a lot of these matches did. Because I mean, I mean, think about it this way too: you had Jr. take out Taz with a candy dish, mm-hmm. and Jr. is not as strong as an Edge or as a Bubba Ray Dudley. Yep. And they can't take each other out with a chair shot. Yep. Yeah. No, it doesn't make sense, and that really hurts your show. I mean, you're looking at the overall show and the logic. If you treat every show as if, you know, creating its own universal rules, it's literally saying screw the rules. In, 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 well, every match. And this, they're saying every match has its own rule or own yeah. rules of what hurts and what doesn't hurt. Yeah. And, that... and that takes away completely. I mean, you could have, you know, Dave Metzer's, Meltzer's five star matches. You could have six of them. But if you have two matches in there, or even one match that completely says screw it. That should bring the rest of the, the overall grade of the pay per view down, mm-hmm. because then it's like, what am I, what am I watching? What am I really trying to understand here? And that's why I can't give it. I can't even like D plus is me being very generous with it, because yeah. I really did enjoy the Eddie match and the Rock match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's pretty much it. And the I, I enjoyed the wrestling parts of the Lawler match because yeah. I'm I'm a huge mark for Jerry Lawler, and I'm not gonna. They, I am not going to apologize for that. The man's one of the greatest wrestlers to ever step foot in the ring, and I'd go see. I'll, I'll, could, I'll probably go see him when Ricky Steamboat has his final match. I'm sure Lawler will be on the card somewhere. Oh yeah, because you know he'll get in there and he'll have a five minute match and he'll maybe take one bump and he'll and it'll still look good. Punch somebody and his punches still look fantastic. I saw a post on uh, on. I forget what on Twitter. I forget who it was that posted it, but it was like Jerry Lawler after a match recently. You know what I mean? Yeah. He had the strap down. He's got a big belly and you know, he's got man boobs oh. and they're hanging. And I'm like, so what the guy's like in his seventies and he almost 80. Like, yeah. and he can still, his punches still look better than anybody today. Almost anybody's punches. You put them up against Jerry, the King Lawler's punches. And I bet you Jerry's look better. Oh yeah. And, I'm sorry, but Jeff Hardy can can barely fucking walk. Matt Hardy can barely fucking think. I mean, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like like Edge and Christian both have injuries that prevent them from doing uh, stuff. How many people, uh, you know, Guerrero, uh, all of these people that did these, uh, you know, this this style that flies around a lot, even Ray Mysterio, like he's not going to be able to wrestle for, for that much longer. Their bodies are beat up. Jerry, the King Lawler can still throw a good punch and still have a believable match. at almost 80 years old. Like screw you. Like I'm going to, I'm going to, I would rather fashion my style of working after Jerry Lawler or the Miz or somebody like that and be able to work until I'm 80. than 
you know, try to be the next Jeff Hardy and and uh, not be yeah, able to walk by the time I'm fifty. Yeah, you know, it's like it's. it's I, I pointed this out a long time ago, probably on Twitter somewhere. I was talking with friends. You you have guys like Ricochet, um, you know, uh, Jack Evans, Teddy Hart, uh, pretty much the entire AEW roster. They're going balls out, and good for them. You know, it's it's great. You're young. You can do it. What happens when you're old? Yeah. Are you going to be able to climb that rope and hit a 450 splash that that fans want to see you hit because that's what they know you for? No, you're not going to be able to do that. You're going to have to modify your moveset. And if you can't be – if you don't know the logic of what you're doing in that match, you're never going to be able to adapt to a style that's going to be still entertaining. Yeah. Because fans are going to see you as a spot fest, as a guy who just do spots. Mm-hmm. And if you have no science behind your moves, like you know, Ricochet does like a thousand different flips, or Osprey. Osprey was a guy I was thinking of too. He does like you know a thousand different you know choreographs, you know cartwheels. What's going to happen when you can't do that anymore? I mean, you. I would like to think that by the time you're in your 60s, you can retire because you've made, you know, you've made a career and you've made money. But the reality is, probably not. Probably unless you're a John Cena, Roman Reigns, Miz, or um, you know AJ Styles talent, Rock talent, oh, yeah. you're not going to be able to live as comfortably as you want to when you're in your older age. So you're going to probably be on the independents doing these matches, and no one's going to want to see you do a you know a little like mid you know second rope body splash when they were used to seeing you hit a corkscrew Phoenix splash. Yeah. Uh, so you got to learn, you know, I mean, you, you got to play the longevity and the, the way you do that is learn the science, learn what makes sense, you know, learn how to sell and learn save, how to, you know, say, Hey, you can get do a 450 splash. That's great. Save that yeah. for a big pay-per-view money drawing match. Yeah. that actually fucking means something. Don't do it every fucking week on television. Not because... the best example, but Brock Lesnar's shooting star press, you know, <laughs> yeah. he could do it in OVW. Yeah. He, he brought it out for WrestleMania. He just undershot it a little bit. But had he hit that, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just going to blow you away. In fact, it blew many people away just watching him attempt that move. So, oh, yeah. well, I mean, that's look what at Kurt Angle had a moonsault. Yeah. How often did Kurt Angle do his moonsault? Once, twice a year? Yeah. You know, because yeah. you, didn't, you didn't need to see a Kurt Angle do a moonsault because he was entertaining doing the rest of his stuff because he knew what he was doing. Also, yeah. I've had I've, every veteran I've ever talked to or heard talk about wrestling or anything always says the same thing. You've only got so many bumps on your bump card. And when it's over, it's over, you know. So the more of those really risky, really like dangerous bumps you take, that's like taking 10 bumps off your bump card every time you do that. Yeah. Why would you want to do that when you like, you know, especially if you're in your twenties and you want to be in this business for a long period of time, or you want to actually make money in this business uh, or, you know, look at the Miz. Okay. Miz. Yeah. Some people would say he wrestles a little too safe and I'll say that sometimes he does. But the Miz is going to be able to do what the Miz does right now when he's 60. He's going to be mm-hmm. able to manage people and occasionally get in the ring and do everything that the Miz does right now. He might not be able to do the drop kick in the corner or some of the, you know, 
you know, he might have to modify that. But pretty much everything The Miz does, he's going to be able to do for a long time. And <laughs> there's, you know, that's how many other guys that his age can you say that about? Even AJ Styles, and I love AJ oh, Styles. Yeah, he's but... not going to be able to do that for forearm or the 450 splash. Yeah. I mean, that's why he doesn't do it. He barely breaks it out now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the forearm, he doesn't, this is, this is his main finisher, but. You know, I'm sure sure eventually he'll be doing the calf crusher. Uh, well, crusher. even when he does the forearm, it's not he doesn't jump as far as he used to when he does it. You can yeah. even tell, even since he's gotten to the WWE, his opponents have gotten closer and closer to that rope where he more he doesn't springboard off the rope as much as he almost falls off the like you know what I mean, falls forward yeah. off the rope to deliver the forearm. He's not because I remember when he first got there, he was going almost entirely across the ring to hit people yeah. with that forearm. He doesn't do that now because he's smart. He knows he's like, well, I got to kind of walk this back a little bit because, you know, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to catch people doing a 350 off the top rope and put them in a Styles Clash for much longer. So let's make it count while I can do it. You know, exactly. I mean, the very few wrestlers I think who can do it still will be like Randy Orton, Mm -hmm. The Miz, uh, to a degree if he still wants to be, Roman Reigns. Um, you know, I think a lot of the um, undercard for WWE and majority of the card for AEW, you know, they're not going to be able to do it too much longer. No. Um, well, we've already seen. I mean, you know, we, a lot Rollins, of them suffer. Like you know, yeah. Rollins has already started to change his move set. I mean, oh, well, yeah, he's I mean he wrestles different as a heel than a babyface anyway, because yeah. you know you can't as a as a as a babyface. And I know this is a lot of people don't want to hear this, but as a baby face, you don't want to do a lot of, or as a heel, you don't want to do a lot of super impressive moves because you don't want people to cheer and clap for you. You know exactly. what I mean? But, uh, you know, Rollins does it. Everybody, everybody changes their, uh, their move set as they get older. It's just, if your move set is all flips, all top rope stuff, all momentum stuff, then you got to have some sort of backup. You got to have a different move set that you can go to where you're going to like, you're ending up a sad shell of what you once were like a Jeff Hardy. Yeah. I mean, we're not all blessed like Rey Mysterio who can still do everything. Rey Mysterio doesn't do half of the shit that he used to do though. He used to do Tope Suicidos. Now he does the little slide, the baseball slide out of the ring. You know, He's, he's adapted his move sets. But he's still doing, you know, a decent amount. Like he doesn't do that. Um, I think they called it the West Coast pop. Yeah, after you know, the, the six one nine. Yeah. Now it's just a body splash at best. Yeah, it's a frog. Sometimes, the, sometimes he goes frog splash. splash. Yeah. Yeah, it's no more. Um, no more of that. He doesn't do any um, super. He, maybe he busts one out once in a while, but the super Frankensteiners, Dragonsteiners, no, mm-hmm. doesn't do those anymore. But I mean, you don't miss it because he's found ways to still, you know, be exciting. Oh yeah. That doesn't require him to, you know, you know, take a leap off the turnbuckle with, you know, a corkscrew splash. Oh yeah. And also, you know, Rey Mysterio has an immense amount of goodwill from the audience, where people want to see him, you know, go over and want to see him do well, and yeah. uh, and stuff like that. So it's like, well. He and he doesn't screw that up by doing stupid stuff he knows he can't do anymore. You know what I mean? Like he does everything he knows he can do. 
He still has a great Hurricane Rana, uh, you know. Oh, again, what I wanted to say, and this touches on, you know, I figured I'd say something about NXT. Roxanne Perez, again, in her match against Rhea Ripley, hit a Hurricane Rana where she crossed her ankles and took Rhea that. Ripley down. It was beautiful. I was like, oh, my God, that's what that move is supposed to look like. So... I'm, I'm hoping somehow they're hearing our podcast. <laughs> Maybe they're one of the, what is it, what's 35 now? Yeah. Oh, no, we're, the, the last podcast had like five listeners. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I was Jeez. like, what the hell? We were up to like 20 something, then back <laughs> down to about 13, 15. Now we're back down to five. We're not consistent or people hate us. Some of the yeah. other. Well, I, I think it's the WCW stuff. I think some people just don't tune in those weeks because they don't care. Because they never yeah. watch that stuff, so they're like, but whatever. That's that's good stuff, and I'm not going to stop doing it because actually, our next episode is going to be Starcade '86. That'll be our next coverage. Yes, yes. Next week we will be doing, or next week or in two weeks, whenever we get around to it, we'll be doing uh, Starcade '86. So that'll be. Um, that's going to be you. I, I think you're really going to like Starcade '86. A great match between uh, Jimmy Garvin and Brad uh, uh, Brad Armstrong. Oh yeah, uh, then I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. already thinking that's going to probably be a match of the night at this point. Um, Bill Dundee versus um, uh, oh god, what is his name? Uh, I can't remember his name now. Bill Dundee has a good match. The uh, uh, Dutch Mantel and the Jayhawks versus uh, the uh, Crusher Khrushchev and Ivan Koloff in a uh, a bullwhip versus chain match. <clears throat> Interesting. <clears throat> the uh, the Road Warriors versus the Midnight Express and the Skywalker scaffold match. Uh, Rick Flair versus Nikita Koloff is the uh, uh, main event. Dusty versus uh, Tully Blanchard in a, uh, a first blood match. Um, I think it's the Andersons versus, uh, the rock and roll express in a steel cage. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a really, really good pay-per-view. Um, okay. You've sold me on it. <laughs> it'll be better than this. I hope. Well, yeah, it'll be, I mean, you, I can't, I would say you can't get much worse, but we have survivor series, uh, 2000 coming up. So. I wanted to give us a little palate cleanser before that because that one's pretty bad too. Yeah, I, I remember that one. And the Love damn match, that. the match that has Eddie Guerrero in it also has the fucking murderer in it. So I don't even get to talk about Eddie Guerrero Ugh. and how awesome he is. But um, yeah. Well, maybe just watch it and hopefully it's not that bad. So let's see. What else do we need to get to? Um, Everyone out there listening we send our condolences our sincerest heartfelt condolences and uh, uh for the loss of uh, kevin nash's son uh 26 years old uh, we don't know any of the specifics nor do we need to know the specifics it's none of our business all we know is that uh he was way too young and he was the only son of one of uh the most charismatic charismatic men ever in wrestling history. So um, where our heart goes out to Kevin Nash and his family and their, uh, and their loss. Um, NXT, I will be, uh, as this is airing, I will have already done it. I'm doing a, uh, um, a check your temperature 
tomorrow, uh, this Friday, um, for NXT Halloween Havoc. Uh, I'm looking forward to some of these matches, um, especially the uh, the Dragonoff, uh, uh, JD McDonough, and Braun Breaker triple threat. I think that's going to be a fantastic match. If you've never seen any of Dragonoff's matches. Go back and watch his series of matches with um, uh, Jordan Devlin in NXT UK. It, uh, the guy's an amazing worker, fantastic promo, and just all around is going to be a superstar. Um, anything about NXT you want to mention? No, I don't or, not. Or main I don't, roster stuff that you wanted to touch on while we're here? Not really, other than the fact that I'm really looking forward to Halloween, Halloween Havoc. That's going to be probably my... Um, I know it's, I know it's technically not a PLE, but probably going to be my favorite one this month. No, it is. It's on Saturday. Yeah, I'm not so, really sure. If I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how I'm looking forward forward to the. Um, what's the next one? Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how. I'm, I'm lastly, intrigued by the by the what on the Bullet Club match, but that's really it. I don't know. Lashley versus Lesnar is going to be good. I think Roman versus Logan Paul is going to be fantastic. Probably the match of the night. Be just, I I just think it's going to be a really good match. I think they're going to do Roman's going to uh they're going to do the thing where Logan Paul gets enough offense in that you think, oh my god, he, they might do the thing, and then they're not going to do the thing. I think it'll look you don't a think lot. They're going to pull an Arquette. Was that no? You they're no. going to pull an Arquette. No. My God, no, no, that would be so stupid. Um. They're not going to take the title off. I wouldn't take the title off Roman until maybe WrestleMania. See, um, I, you know, people say that, and I'm I'm confused only because if the idea is to put him in the Rock, yeah. you give put him. I don't want the Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania. No, I want Cody versus Roman at WrestleMania. I do too. Not a big Cody, Cody fan. Cody comes back, wins the Royal Rumble, goes up against. Goes up against Roman at WrestleMania, beats him for the title. Then his first challenger after Roman, because Roman takes a break, is Seth Rollins. Like, goddamn, it writes itself. Like, that's beautiful, you know. Um, so uh, let's see. Yeah, that's so. I'm 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 more excited for Crown Jewel than I thought I would be. But uh, I think the the Logan Paul Roman Reigns match is going to look a lot like. The uh, the Daniel Bryan Brock Lesnar match from Survivor Series a few years ago, or maybe it was SummerSlam. Oh, I know what you're. You know the match talking, I'm talking yeah. about. Yes, yes. Where you're like you're like almost. Boy, are they going to let Daniel win this? And then he doesn't. But you thought they might. So uh, let's see what do we got AEWs. We already covered the myriad of AEW injuries. Only thing I got to say is I saw something from uh, former uh, Kenny Olivier, former AEW botches, <coughs> that basically said that AEWs had 15 injuries that they've reported in the last six months. That is ridiculous. Like, that is way, way too high. Get a goddamn performance center, Tony Khan. Get somewhere people can actually practice away from a crowd and hone their fucking craft because this is fucking stupid at this point. I mean, of the 16, I think one of them was purely a freak accident. Yeah. 
And the others were could have easily been avoided had they trained them better. Or had I have no just... idea what was going on with Athena last week. That I, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and say that was scripted. But still, it looks really dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that it looked it looked sloppy. And remember, one of the things she said that she didn't like about WWE is they wanted everything to look crisp and safe. Yeah, it's like they want things to look crisp and safe because they don't want people to get fucking hurt. And yeah. she she but got go, injured. She's the, she's the wrestler who super touches people up onto the floor on the chairs. So she was know. she was fucking injured like three times in her first like year with the company. Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't know much about her when she debuted and I think people made a big deal out of her. I assume that she was a big deal on the independent scene before she went to NXT, but I don't know. I didn't mind her in NXT because I think she was doing what they were telling her to do, but yeah, I think she just, I, I don't think she had what it, what it took, you know, and I know. that's I like her finisher. Her finisher is cool. Yeah. The sit out, jumping, leaping. Yeah. Thunder. Um, That's a, I, I think the eclipse. I, I thought yeah, the eclipse. Move. I still that's think what it's it was called. I don't know how you hit it all the time, but you know you. Well, see, that's the thing. <laughs> is I worry about that move. Is that move could like because that move is basically like a stunner, but you're doing it off the top rope to somebody yeah. who's standing in the ring. So either it's going to look bad, <clears throat> or you're eventually going to snap somebody's neck with it the wrong way. Yeah. You know. Um, and like, like I said, what's wrong with a superplex? <laughs> Why can't a superplex be a finisher? It should be. I <laughs> you love know? that match. I mean, Andy Hartwell used a Andy superplex as a finisher, and it looked awesome. She fucking, like, that was a badass-looking superplex. Yeah. So It just hurt that it came after the fact that, you know, Axiom and I can't remember the other guy's name. Nathan you know, Fraser. Nathan Fraser did that entire, you know, stretch of sequence of moves. Mm-hmm. Just dumb. Just dumb. So... Anyway, um, let's see. We get to uh, let's see. You can find us. You can find Rob at uh, the real, right? The real Rob Pinoy. The real Pinoy Rob. The real Pinoy Rob. I'm sorry. I always get it. I always get it. I'm gonna make an easier handle one day. The real Pinoy Rob on Twitter. You can also find the show at Back to the Ring on Twitter. And of course, if you're listening to us on uh any sort of uh, uh podcasting network please uh like subscribe if you have any comments questions concerns don't be afraid to comment we're always open to hearing your questions or suggestions from our audience we uh we love talking to you if you have anything that you want to say to us on twitter feel free to comment or uh add, tag us in a post or tag me um tag the show whatever you would like um, if we don't like what you tag us in, we'll just block you. It's that simple. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, maybe not. Um, guess you'll just have to see. Uh, again, our next episode will be Starcade 86. Hopefully next week, maybe in two weeks. You never know with these things. We get, we're busy people. The uh, Rob has a job. He's a lawyer. He's got shit to do. I am lazy. <laughs> so... I don't always get shit watched in time. Um, either way, uh, when the next show comes out, we'll, of course, let all of you all know. Thank you all so much for listening. 
And in the immortal words, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Is there anything else you want to plug, Rob? No, I'm good this week as always. Sweet. In the immortal words of the great Tully Blanchard, it's been your pleasure. Good night.